I mean, it's better than having a murderer courtside, but I still probably wouldn't want Brian Cranston. Welcome to Spinsters. I'm not doing the whole intro today because Jordan has abandoned me. But we have an interview that we both did with Adam McKay coming up. I'm so excited for it. He's the host and executive producer of the Death of the Wing podcast, which is wonderful. He's making a series about the Showtime Lakers, which remains unnamed, but I am pushing for Jerry Bussett Challenge. He is the executive producer of Succession. He does everything. He loves basketball. He produces everything, and he was a joy to talk to. We also played a game. It's the debut of this game I'm trying to push on everybody instead of doing the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, six degrees of any NBA Kevin you want. And he actually really pulled it off. So now I'm establishing and trademarking this as a game. Here is Adam McKay. I am Adam McKay. I'm a writer, director, and producer, and happy to be here on Spinsters. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Yay. I've done a few podcasts to promote this podcast. This is my favorite name of any podcast. <laughs> that, that's a cool What an name. honor. That is a very cool name. You are an honorary <laughs> spinster today. God bless you. Welcome. <laughs> First of all, I just want to talk about Death at the Wing. We have a couple other things we want to throw at you, but I've listened to every episode Death at the Wing is a historical narrative pod that's examining NBA players who have died before or during their career. Something Jordan and I are fascinated by and have bonded over and have tried to do on this show is interrogate how sports inform society. And Death at the Wing certainly weaves the political and cultural influence in with these players' stories. And when you pointed out the way that the podcast has done so well, you really see that so many of these things are completely inseparable. So how has it been making this podcast, voicing this podcast? I mean, you are the talent right along with being the creator. So how has it been making it? It's been interesting. I was joking today that like, man, I'm voice talent. I'm going to get diva-ish really fast. I need my tea <laughs> with lemon turn off the air conditioning like Aretha Franklin does. Like, I got to take care of my pipes. It's been quite the experience. I mean, I lived through the 80s, the blur of the 80s, and it's been so fascinating to go and meticulously slow it down and take it apart and look at it. Lucky to have these incredible producers on it, led by Jody Avergan, and they're just so good, and the guests have been so fascinating. But yeah, I lived through it. And I remember all these guys tragically dying or having their careers ended or cut short. You talk about deaths, it's in uh, 12 to 14 deaths. And then you go to guys who lost their careers. It gets to go into the 20s, like almost 30 people, like really talented young men in the NBA or before the NBA that have their careers cut short. And at the same time, all that seismic political and economic change of the Reagan era. So to look at how that it all bounces off of each other and how it all connects, it's just been endlessly fascinating. Is there anything that you have found out or maybe come across or any interviews? One thing that sticks out as something that really has blown you away that you found out while voicing, reporting. I'm not sure like even what level of involvement really, but. <laughs> Anything that you found out while doing this pod? Yeah, I've done a bunch of the interviews personally. I mean, I got to talk to Jerry West. I talked to the young man who actually one of the more intense interviews we had, the young man 
who pulled the trigger, who shot Benji Wilson. It was a very wow. intense, emotional interview. I talked to Jane Mayer, the legendary journalist. Uh, I've had a, a, just so many incredible conversations. What really surprised me was how solid these connections were. It's one thing to do sort of harmonizing poetic connections, a little bit like Adam Curtis does, but to, you know, because I remember at the time it felt like the death of Len Bias was connected to this kind of drug hysteria that swept the nation. But then to see, I didn't remember that they literally referred to that omnibus criminal reform bill for drugs as the Len Bias bill. I didn't know that the connection was that direct. And we see it over and over again with all of these stories with mental health care being cut after the 70s when the Reagan administration came in. And I remember going to San Francisco with my family and seeing homeless people everywhere who were struggling with mental health issues were like yelling at us and we're like, what's going on? And someone up in San Francisco was, well, they just cut funding for the hospitals for mental health care. And so it's the difference between the anecdotal and the specifically researched. That, that's just continuously surprised me throughout this whole process. Okay, so you have been involved at every level. You are a reporter. You could come in and do our jobs, honestly. <laughs> do spinsters. I'm going to let Jordan ask about the Lakers documentary. I don't know even how much information you're sharing, but she's really good at getting information out of people. Oh, so no. be warned. She's also a Lakers fan. So there's a lot of pressure right now. I don't know if you've realized what exactly oh, you've gotten yourself gosh. into. <laughs> no, 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 no. Dial it back. I'm so excited about it, first of all. And just wanting to know the story. And how did it come about? Why did you choose to, to tell this particular story? Well, clearly, I'm a big basketball fan. You know, I've grown up my whole life just constantly devouring the NBA and all kinds of basketball. So I, when I read uh, Jeff Perlman's book, I was a little snobby about it when I first picked it up. Like, what can he tell me about the Lakers that I don't know? And it turned out quite a bit. Uh, and I couldn't put the book down. It became one of those books you read in like two nights. And then, you know, Jeff's such a great writer he really did a nice job of not only telling interesting stories, but providing stakes and cultural context and political context, historical context. And we realized there's a show here. There definitely is. And much like we've explored in depth at the wing, but in a very different way, the Lakers were a seminal team. I mean, they, they were really the team at that moment in the 80s where African-American culture became the dominant culture in America. It, it just did, not only with basketball, but with hip hop and style and fashion across the board. There used to obviously be this separation that existed before the 80s, where you sort of had black culture and white culture, and sometimes they would overlap or white culture would co-opt black culture. But the Lakers were just like, we're doing this. You've never seen this before. It is the coolest thing ever. And then, of course, they had the perfect nemesis in the Boston Celtics, who were at the time the whitest team there was and, you know, portrayed themselves as kind of working class, lunch pail kind of guys. And I just remember those battles were epic. And then to read Perlman's book, just, you know, the way he goes just deep inside of it. I, I think as a Lakers fan and even as a basketball fan or someone who loves great stories, Jordan, you're right to be excited because it goes deep. So another follow up question, you mentioned that. Will there be a, a drop of vintage Laker girl gear to coincide with 
the film because I just feel like you just have to. You just you mentioned it. The culture, the fashion. There has to be a merch drop. Merch. Is there anything that you can that you can share? I, I'll be honest. I wasn't thinking of it, but now that you've just said it, I, we will be hitting up HBO. And you will be seeing a lot of people walking around Los Angeles looking like Paula Abdul in about a year and a half. I wonder if the Mavs realize right now that they are the current whitest team in the NBA. Like, do you realize it in the moment? Because, like, now they've definitely taken that over and it's like their joke. I mean, the only thing (laughs) is the Eastern Europeans, it's like a different thing. You know what I mean? It's different, yeah. mm -hmm. Because I remember, like, growing up in the 80s, without exaggeration, made a movie called White Men Can't Jump. And then I remember when Manu Ginobili came in the league with his hair looking like Richard Marks, and he started just throwing it down in people's faces. And all of a sudden, you didn't hear that too much anymore. And it's like, oh, no, white suburban guys from the U.S. can't jump. But (laughs) badasses who grew up in, like, war-torn Eastern European countries smoking cigarettes when they were 11, they can jump. So you're right. The Mavericks are crazily white, but it's a lot of Eastern Europeans, right? Where's Maxi Kleber from? I always wonder. The name sounds like he was a gangster from the 30s. Um, Maxi Kleber. (laughs) And if they can't jump, they can pass like Jokic, because I don't know if we should get Uh, By the way, you're 100% right. Jokic can't jump at all. (laughs) Those are the credit card hops. 100%. Jordan, you were telling me before this, that Adam grew up a Celtics fan, right? Yeah, and I wasn't going to hold it against you because like, we went over that I am a Lakers fan. But then I read that you moved to New York and you became a Knicks fan. But then now you like the Clippers too. So it's wh- a mess. Who, is your, yeah, who, is, who is your team? So I can decide if, I, so if I'm So I grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts up until the fourth grade. And then I moved outside Philly. So I was hardcore Boston. I was Red Sox Celtics. I didn't care about hockey, but I was Red Sox Celtics. Then I'm in Philly and the Sixers are just too damn cool because they had Andrew Tony, who was like one of my favorites. And then Charles Barkley rolled into town and that was it. That started to shift it. Then at that point, I just became such a hoops junkie that I stopped having a favorite team. So I went to New York and I started watching the Knicks and kind of rooting for the Knicks. And now I just don't care. I'm just not a rah-rah. Like, I don't have one team. I'll just get into whatever game I'm watching. Like, if I'm watching John Morant, I'm like, I'm a Grizzlies fan tonight. So I don't rep one single team anymore. But I guess if you forced me, believe it or not, I guess I'd probably go Knicks if I had to pick a team. Just because Madison Square Garden, I was there when it was Larry Johnson, Allen Houston. I saw some great, great games. Here's what worries me. Thibodeau is a little bit like after the divorce, your mom starts living with like the guy who's a Marine. And all of a sudden, your whole house gets incredibly on point and everyone's on time and all the homework's (laughs) getting turned in. And it lasts for like eight months until one day you wake up and you're like, screw you. You're not my real dad. And I worry a little bit with the Knicks that could happen with Thibodeau, because after a while, everyone ends up with Thibodeau going, screw you. You're not my real dad. While you bring up Thibodeau. We wanted to see if we could get you to play a little game. Mainly, we just want to see what you were saying about all of these because we are so curious. If you are comparing Thibodeau to a director, to an actor, to even if it's a 
casting director who nobody knows, but you're like, that is him. Is there anyone who stands out that reminds you of him in Hollywood? Yeah, like Thibodeau would be, um, trying to think, Michael Mann, the director who did Last mm-hmm. of the Mohicans and Heat. Michael Mann is famously, uh, by the way, incredibly talented guy. I, I know him, but he's legendarily tough and demanding and single-minded. So there's a lot of stories about working on Michael Mann movies that you hear where people work like 19-hour days or, you know, there's some crazy stunt and they're like, hey, should we do that? And then Michael Mann's just yelling action and it's already happening. <laughs> and so if you're in a Michael Mann movie, much like uh, being on a Thibodeau team, if you're in a Michael Mann movie, you're going to win 48 games. But you may walk away and with a limp. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to be Julius Randle leading the league in minutes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. So it's kind of like Billy Martin used to uh, manage the Oakland A's like that back in the late 70s. He was famous for pitching all his starting pitchers 300 innings. And all these guys won like 18, 19 games and all their careers were over in like three years. Except Taj Gibson, who also pitched on that A's team back in the 70s. That's how old (laughs) Taj Gibson is. (laughs) We were trying to come up with people who we could ask from Hollywood, like who they would be on the court to do the reverse of what I just asked you. But, you know, it's kind of hard because Hollywood is really filled with problematic people. (laughs) So we're trying to figure out anyone. (laughs) So I found one that I know you've worked with and I just have to know 16 year old. 18-year-old, 20-year-old, 23-year-old, current Haley has to know who would Ryan Gosling or you could do Brad Pitt. I will play the who is this person's NBA counterpart game for hours. We can do it with politicians. We can do it with famous surgeons. We can do it with actors. I never tire of that game. And here's the thing about Ryan Gosling. Obviously, really good actor, Ryan Gosling, sneaky, one of the funniest people you'll ever meet, like really good improviser. After I worked with him on the big short, I'm like, oh, you could do a straight real comedy with this guy. And he, he kind of did it with the, what was it called? The nice guys. You yep, got he was very dude. funny in that. Yeah. So the thing about him is he's got a sneaky other game going on because you like to think Ryan Gosling is like 18 points, nine assists, two steals, standard point guard. But guess what he can also do? He can rebound and take you into the post. So I'm going to call, although he doesn't have the nasty streak, I was going to go Gary Payton, but I'm going to go current day. And I'm going to say he's not as tenacious as Chris Paul, but he's sneaky. He's just got all these other moves. You know who he reminds me of a little bit is not Malcolm Brogdon. He's a little, you know what? Trey Young? No, he can't post. I'm trying to think who's a point guard with multiple dimensions. Oh, you know what? Kyrie Irving. There you go. Okay. Okay. Kyrie has a damn good post game. You think Kyrie's this kind of like strange guy, but like, no, he's actually a genius. He can do a lot of different things. I'm going Kyrie for Ryan Gosling. And they're both handsome. It works. I was going to take a huge leap and say Terry Rozier. Because he oh. is actually a great rebounder, but I don't think that the I, base is as high. Rozier's as- better. I like Rozier. I like Rozier. Because <laughs> Rozier will also drop 35 on you out of the blue. Yeah. Where did that come from? Great rebounder, tough, tenacious. 
That's a better one. I like Rozier better. Maybe in the future when Rozier can prove I can consistently be this guy for multiple seasons. I like Rozier. I was going to say Christian Bale. Christian Bale is Kevin Durant, where you think like, okay, the guy can fill it up. But Kevin Durant's like an artiste. Like Kevin Durant, like loves the game on a profound level. And that's like Bale. Bale's like a movie star, obviously handsome guy, but just a pure artist underneath it all. And I think sometimes we forget that about Durant. That guy's an artist. You watch the way he plays. It's next level stuff. That's fair. Yeah, I think that, yeah, Katie's vulnerability and uh, personality off the court and quite very much online has sometimes maybe taken away from our viewing him as an artist, but no, completely. And there's nobody like him. And he also pours himself into it. We just don't get the stories because you don't need them in basketball where it's like he ate two peanuts a day for three months. And that's how he got this role. God bless you, Christian Bale. But he did tear his Achilles and then come back like he never tore his Achilles, which I don't know. By the way, I just realized when I shot the big short, Christian Bale tore his ACL, MCL, and patella right before we started shooting, shot the entire movie, just tightening up the muscles on his legs, swimming and playing heavy metal drums as his character, Michael Burry. So I'm liking this Durant comparison even more. Yeah, that's spot that's on. Perfect. Okay, that's perfect. Jordan, do you have one? Well, I was really curious about Brad Pitt. I wanted to know that one. So I'm curious your thoughts there. So Brad Pitt is a good one. He's another guy who's really funny. I think we all kind of know that, though. We've seen him be funny in roles like the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was damn funny. And the shocking thing about Brad Pitt is you think big, glaring movie star. And then he's a really comfortable guy to be around. You know, he's from Oklahoma and he's shockingly down to earth, very real, very vulnerable. And it throws you off when you meet him because... Of course, you, you know, carry 25 years of, you know, headlines from, you know, People Magazine in the checkout aisle and stuff. And then you meet him and he's like a really warm, cool guy. So I'm trying to think someone like that, like you think of them as this sparkling, elevated star. And then you watch their game and it's actually a very real human kind of visceral game. Who is there like that? Um I will say, as we're thinking, I totally agree with the funny part and it being underrated. This is the hill I die on at parties. He's so funny. I don't know why. Like, burn after reading. I watch it all the time. He's so good in that. By the way, he can improvise. He improvised some really funny beats in the big short that I put in the movie where he kept hanging up on the young guys when they were calling him. That was him just improvising. There's a bunch of way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I have a suggestion. Tim Duncan. That's pretty Ooh. good because he's earthy. He's real. I was also going to say Blake Griffin in his prime because Blake Griffin, you know, jumping over the car, the advertisements. But you know what? Blake Griffin, pretty down to earth, kind of funny guy. Like you, you think he would be a jerk. You think he would be, you know, this elevated diva. And he's not. He's actually a really cool guy. So that type of guy like Duncan or Blake Griffin, I like a lot. I think that's right. You know, LeBron James a little bit, too. LeBron I was going to say LeBron. Yeah, yeah. right? Because LeBron has every right to be a jerk. And there's mm-hmm. all the room in the world to be a jerk. But he genuinely seems like a good guy. I'm not saying he hasn't made mistakes. Everyone has. But 
Is there anyone in the history of being famous that's like better at it than him who's still kind of a real guy? Maybe LeBron. Maybe LeBron. Yeah, that's kind of LeBron's thing at this point that everyone will give him no matter what is that it is truly mar- remarkable to have been at that level of fame for so long and expectation and to either fulfill all expectations or to just not in any way majorly fuck up. Like the heat thing is the biggest thing anyone can point to and say you left and it was mean how you did. And he clearly made a mistake. It was like a miscalculation. I don't think he was doing it to be mean. I would say the China one was pretty bad too, but yes. But the thing about sports is that sports writers sweep those things under the rug extraordinarily fast. They, uh, they, they take do. issue a lot more with things like you don't have as many rings than they do like you had a <laughs> questionable political stance. And we're going to follow up on that. It's really not how sports journalism works, Adam. <laughs> You're 100% right. But I would say that was a mistake. I still have faith in him. I think the NBA and LeBron will recover from that mistake. I think they're learning. They're growing. Uh, but yeah, I like Brad Pitt for LeBron. That's a good one. Do you have any others, Jordan? I will ask about one of my faves. And that's Will Ferrell. And it can't be Jackie Moon because that's already off the table. (laughs) But anyone else, I want to know. And he has the height going, too. I don't know if we're going physical aspect, but I just I love Will. So Will's a good one. So what I would say about Will, obviously, incredibly lovable guy, very collaborative. But the only thing I'll say about Will is people think, oh, nicest guy ever. But like, Will's no pushover. Like he knows what he wants. He's got firm opinions. So I'm going to go Chris Paul because here's why. Chris Paul's in all those insurance commercials. He's like, oh, funny Chris Paul. Little kids watch him. He's an all-star. You don't mess with Chris Paul. And that's a little bit Will. Will is like funny, cool, great guy, which I've heard Chris Paul is. But he knows what he wants. Like he's not a pushover. I think sometimes people think Farrell's like just a big, sweet pushover. And he's not. He knows what he's doing. He wrote Cowbell by himself at three in the morning. Like there's way more drive there than you think. Now that makes me wonder the reverse, like a super extreme in the NBA. Who would you compare Westbrook to? He's always the most interesting. Who is the this of this thing? That is so good. That is a good one. He's just so entirely himself and he's so entirely dedicated in such a weird way that I love so much. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, okay. Joaquin Phoenix. Nice. Maybe I'm just trying to think of total originals, like of just you haven't ever seen anyone like them. By the way, I don't think mm-hmm. we can stick with dudes either. We can go women because I'm also thinking, oh, man, no, that's not quite right. I'm trying to think of Kate Blanchett is such a like unique, incredible talent. And there's kind of no one like her and she can do everything, like everything, like crazy funny, crazy dramatic. She's like shockingly stunning looking in a way that no one else looks like her. So, yeah, I would I would maybe go Blanchett or Joaquin Phoenix. It's in that zone of just unusual talent. Jordan, look at this man coming on our Spencer's podcast and suggesting a woman before we did. I'm embarrassed. This is getting cut. A true Spencer. Wow. Coming for our jobs. Do you know the game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Of course. Yeah. Okay. So we want to make Six Degrees of Kevin blank and it's just like whichever Kevin in the NBA you want. Kevin Porter Jr.? 
yep, yes. Kevin Hint, like Kevin Love, so Kevin can we Garnett. Do it? We can go back. Yeah, if if you are interested oh, in trying I, I, to play, I'm like I'm actually working, and I probably should go back to editing, and I'm not going to play seven degrees, <laughs> six degrees of Kevin Porter okay. with you. You pick a Kevin, and I'm gonna just give me thirty seconds, and I'll pick a person. It won't be too difficult, and then yeah, you know the rules. Basically, you have six degrees to connect your Kevin to the person who we pick. Okay, because, yeah, Kevin, I like Kevin Porter Jr. because that's hard. And by the way, we're starting to see some talent shoot out of that guy that is crazy. I mean, there's flashes coming our way. There's a chance he could, you know. Yes. You know, God, I, God I, I wish him the best. Like, whatever you got to deal with in your personal life, deal with it. Because, man, that guy is going to be fun to watch for the next 10, 15 years. All right, so Kevin Porter Jr., where did he play? He go to USC, I think? Mm-hmm. Went to USC. USC, but he also played on the Cavaliers with Kevin Love. Kevin Love's a good one to go to. Do we take a weird road? Do we go Kevin Love to his uncle? What was his name? Mike Love? Is that his name from the Beach Boys? Oh. Why don't we go Kevin Porter Jr. through the Cavaliers to Kevin Love to Mike Love from the Beach Boys? Check out this move. I'm going to drop on you. Then we're going to go to John Stamos, who plays drums with the Beach Boys sometimes. So we're going to go to Stamos. Then we're going to go to, or it's getting dark. I didn't mean for it to get dark. Now Lori you're going to do a prison connection next? Is that what this is going? <laughs> 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 then I'm going to go to legendary gangster Monster Cody, who the book Monster was written about, who's currently up in Pelican Bay. And then, no, I got lost on that one. All right, wait, let's go no, back to Lori Laughlin. Bob's, I, I, I can, oh, we're getting to me. You. Do I want to get back to me? Yes, please get to you. Please oh, because I, I can get to me. I can get to me because I can go Lori Laughlin. Please. Yes. To Bob Saget, to the late, great Gary Shanling, whose basketball game I used to play in to me. So I can I can loop Kevin Porter Jr. to me. Um, I, that was, yes. That was <laughs> like amazing. you just did. Yeah, you just, <laughs> I can't believe this is off the top of your head. And I almost was too shy to ask because I was just like, this is a lot to put on the spot. I'm not kidding. I could play this game for the next half hour with other Kevins <laughs> from the NBA. Okay, so I have a potential Kevin to an NBA player. Love it. KPJ to an NBA player, if you'd like to try. Uh, should we do another Kevin? Oh, I was clicking through for Kevin Porter Jr., but yes, give me any Kevin you want, and I will come up with a person to connect um, with. All right, so Kevin Porter Jr., Kevin Love, Kevin. Um, There's Kevin Garnett, uh, Kevin McHale, Kevin Martin. Be, yep, that's do a, Kevin Martin. That's a hard. Ooh, that's a hard one. That's a good one. Should we try? Like you are our inaugural Kevin game, and you are picking. Let's do Kevin. Extremely I, difficult. Let's do Kevin Martin. That's hard. Okay. Um, like Who are we going to? So let's see. I'm on his player reference page. I don't want it to be like impossible. You know what? Try to connect him to Jimmy Butler. Oh, okay. I think Kevin, did Kevin Martin play on the Timberwolves too for like a year or two? All right, let me see if I can do it. All right, so let's start with Kevin Martin. Remember he got traded? Oh, where did he go? He got traded for a really, oh, he was traded. Wait a minute. He was the James Harden trade. 
I'm pretty sure that was uh, Daryl Morey did the trade for Kevin Martin, went to the Thunder and the Rockets got James Harden, which is hard to believe. And I remember at the time people were like, Kevin Martin can score. That's not a bad trade. That is not aged well. So Kevin Martin goes to the Thunder with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant goes to the Warriors and plays with the Splash Brothers. I like taking weird turns, though. Let's take a weird turn. Let's go. <laughs> we got to make it harder because now we're with the Splash Brothers. What if I went to Davidson? What if I went Steph Curry to Davidson? That's too hard. I can't do that. What if we go to Mark? We go to Mark Jackson. That's what I was say. How about that? He pulls out the JV Davidson roster from. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Mark Jackson, who coached Steph and Clay, and to his credit, said that the best shooting backcourt ever before anyone did and was laughed at about it. We'll go to Mark Jackson, who will then take us to the Knicks, who will take us to the St. John's Knicks connection. Oh, man. All right. I got a little lost. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> Mark Jackson. Oh, my God. We could go to the Menendez brothers who watched Mark Jackson courtside. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dark turn. <laughs> All of your connections are going to prison. <laughs> Why do I keep going back to prison? We're now at the Menendez brothers and that famous basketball card of them looking at Jackson. And we're back in Hollywood, and we're four miles away from Mark Wahlberg's house, who's friends with Jimmy Butler. Boom. Boom. You've done it. Amazing. I cheated on the Hollywood one a little bit. I had to go up like sunset across the 405. You would have had, yeah, you would have had actually extremely early on. I, not to say I did not have faith in you, but I just didn't want to be cruel. But I, he was on the 2011, 2012 Rockets along with one Johnny Flynn, Kyle Lowry, and then also mm. um, Goran Dragic, who is now Ooh, yeah. I forgot they had Goran Dragic before he really became a starter and a big-time player. That's right. You know what? Because of the wealth of point guards, looking back and seeing where they were, the ones who were like not exactly the top tier, but maybe the second, third, looking back and seeing where they were in the beginning of their careers, similar to James Harden, like had he not panned out maybe to this degree is fascinating because it's always some random place. Like Lowry is another good example. Great example. Had Steph not been a lifer. Yeah, but that was amazing. 10 out of 10 on both. Unreal. I love that. Game. Round of applause. I'm going to be playing that game with friends of mine. Six degrees of Kevin is a winner. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. I don't want to keep you much longer, but when the Lakers thing comes out, please come back on. We will have other Kevin ones please. set since we know that you are willing. <laughs> we will definitely do that. We're filming the Lakers show right now as we speak, and uh, I will come back on, and, and especially with the promise of another game of six degrees of Kevin. I am in. Thank you so much. Perfect. Everybody listen to Death at the Wing. And what's the Lakers thing called? Do uh, we don't have a name that we were going to call it oh. Showtime, but there were obvious issues with that. So right now, working title <laughs> is Showtime Lakers. And we're Showtime on HBO. That's <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Bye. So Thank much you fun. so Thank much. Thank you so we much. Appreciate it. Bye, you guys. That was a blast.
Spencers is hosted by me, Haley O'Shaughnessy, and Jordan Liggins. This episode was produced by Jordan, Isabel Jocelyn, Harry Krinsky, and Alex Ward. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yells, and me. Hi, Haley. Hi, Jordan. My name is Kirk Henderson. I, oh gosh, screwed that up.